Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message from the Kalamazoo, Michigan campus. For more info on the church, visit newdaycommunity.org. What we are here celebrating this morning, the arrival uh, of Jesus Christ, Emmanuel, God with us. And our focus uh, this morning is going to be on kind of what the, the kids sang about this morning and uh, the, the shepherd's response to the arrival of Jesus. And just a little spoiler alert, not a spoiler about Star Wars. Do not fear. I, it was good. I recommend it. No spoilers today. Spoiler-free zone. Next week, I can't make any promises. But, um, so, uh, a little spoiler about the message is that we're actually talking about our response how we should respond to the arrival of Jesus. So just stick a pin in that, be ready, we're coming back. Um, and so we're going to be moving towards the, the story in the book of Luke uh, that tells the story of the angels appearing to the shepherds out in that field that night to announce the arrival of Jesus. But we're going to take a little step back. And as I was preparing this message, as I was uh, looking, reading through the, the Gospel of Luke, I saw something that was really interesting to me and that I think uh, really lays a groundwork or a foundation for what Luke is trying to communicate through this Gospel. Right? We understand that Luke was not merely a reporter, you know, writing for the Bethlehem Times or whatever, kind of just, kind of, here's the, here's the events that happened, though he does record the significant events that happened in the first century, but he was trying to communicate something specific to a specific person in the writing of this letter. And so that is where we're going to start. We're going to zoom out and move our way towards the story of the shepherds. Um, I need my clicker, sorry. Fancy. And how's this? Okay, so we're going to start in Luke chapter 1, uh, verse 1 through 4. It says, Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. With this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things that you have been taught. All right, so here we have uh, Luke is writing this gospel, actually not to you and me, surprise, right? He's writing this letter to a guy named Theophilus. Right? And we don't actually know too much about him. Uh, we can assume that he was a socially prominent figure um, because it would have cost uh, some money to hire Luke to go and investigate and to write these things down. So we think he had uh, some wealth. And we also believe that he had had some exposure to the faith. And the fact that he needs reassurance, it, it likely means that he was a believer. So, so Luke is writing to Theophilus, a believer who is looking for some reassurance. And in this gospel, if we read kind of from front to back, we see that, uh, that Luke is reassuring Theophilus of various things, right? That he can have confidence that Jesus is the promised one of God. 
right? That he is the one who brings forgiveness of sins, and he is the one who represents the inauguration of God's kingdom, of God's plan in the world. And so we see a book, a story, a narrative written to a man looking for reassurance about Jesus. And haven't we all been in that place? I can think that even the most devout of us have probably had moments when we're like, man, is this for real? Is Jesus really who he said he was? You know, did Jesus actually do the things that the the Bible says about him? Right? And I think that that's okay. we, We shouldn't hide our doubts and like be afraid that people are going to be like oh you're not not much faith or whatever right i think that the fact that this book is in the canon of scripture says that god is okay with people having some doubts right it's okay because these things are pretty incredible but he's also saying here is why you can believe the story of jesus is true and so that is what we're going to dig in today and when we see the story Um, moving towards the birth of Christ in Luke, we see that he is really trying to say three things that I noticed uh, to Theophilus through uh, this gospel. He's saying to Theophilus, God has a plan. He says, God is not hiding his plan, and we must respond to his plan. So, God has a plan. We can see in the first verse here that Luke says he's writing an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us. And this, I believe, is significant because he's not saying, hey, here's, uh, you know, I'm writing about the events that have happened. Here's Here's some stuff, some crazy stuff that's happened right now, which is true. But what's more interesting is that all the stuff that has happened has been fulfilled. See, the the Israelites had been waiting for this long-promised Messiah, right? And 700 years earlier, Isaiah writes this. He says, Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, God with us. In Luke, he refers to this prophecy in his narrative. In Luke 1.31, he says, he's talking to Mary, he says, You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. Right? In a sense, this was not a surprise event, though I'm sure that it was surprising for Mary. Right? But this was an event that had been promised for 700 and really thousands of years before that God would send a Messiah. And then Luke brings up another uh, prophecy from Isaiah. In Isaiah 9, 6, 7, this might be familiar to many of us who have uh, read it or heard it a lot, and Cameron mentioned it in his message a, a couple weeks ago. Uh, but Luke brings up Isaiah 9 and says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. And so in the the book of Luke, he refers to this in the verse later, Luke 1, 32. He says, he will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. 
And this would have been incredibly significant, right? The, the Israelite people were waiting for God to come and send his Messiah to bring salvation, right? And their idea of salvation is a little bit different than what, what we would normally think. You know, we talk about salvation, we talk about the forgiveness of sins, and we talk about getting to uh, spend eternity with, with God. Um, and that is true, and that is reality. But when the Israelites thought about salvation, they thought about God sending his Messiah to overthrow whichever country was oppressing them at the time. And here in the, the time of Jesus' birth, it would have been the Romans. And so the expectation would have been that the Messiah is going to be this militaristic leader that comes and overthrows Rome. And then this Messiah is going to sit on the throne of his father David. Right? We're gonna, and he's going to rule Israel forever. Right? And Israel will be this great nation. It will be a blessing to all the other nations. All the other nations will come and ask advice and, and honor Israel. It's going to be, that's, that is the salvation that they're looking for. And so the idea that the Messiah, that the son of Mary, is going to sit on David's throne would have been a prophecy that they were very, very familiar with. Then in Mary's song, she, uh, praising God for what he is doing, uh, mentions this, he, the justice he promised our ancestors, right? And so she again, or Luke in his writing, again brings up that this thing that is happening, this plan that God is enacting, has been in promise, or in process, excuse me, for a long time. And again, just a few verses later, in Zechariah's song, he says, as he said through his holy prophets of long ago, all the things that are happening have been promised to the prophets. Everything that is happening, we have been longing for and waiting for. All of this is part of God's plan. It is all part of God's plan. From the beginning, at the, after the fall, there was consequences. But immediately, God makes this uh, promise that he is going to bring a Messiah, that he is going to bring a Savior that is going to crush the head of the serpent. Right? And it was this promise that was looking forward to that this is not the end of the story. That I am going to make this right. This sin that has now invaded the world, I'm going to deal with it. And here we have the fulfillment in the life of Jesus. And so we see that Luke is communicating God has a plan, and he's had a plan for a long, long time. And he is fulfilling it. He's making it happen in our day today. And we also see that Luke is communicating that uh, God is, is not hiding his plan. All right, that this plan that he had, he doesn't want anybody to miss it. He doesn't want anybody to, um, you know, to misunderstand what is happening. And so Luke in uh, 1-2 says, Just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses. All right, and so Luke is going around, he's investigating these stories and these events that are happening, and he goes, and what Luke is saying is that I am talking to actual eyewitnesses who have seen these events, who have encountered these angels, who have encountered Jesus, who have encountered the risen king. God is not trying to hide. In Luke 1, 5, uh, it says, In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there is a priest named Zechariah. And 
what we see throughout the book of Luke and really throughout the scriptures is that the events that are happening aren't just kind of random secret things that are happening out in a field somewhere quietly and just revealed to one person. And then he kind of comes out and says, oh, this is what God revealed to me. Right? It's not these secret supernatural events. They, it, all the stuff that's happening in the biblical narrative are public events. They happened in historic time. We, can, we know when Herod ruled Judea. We know when that was. And so we can place these events in history. Right? God is not trying to hide his plan. And I, there's something for me when I kind of realized this, it was a real revelation for me that, that God is not kind of far off and aloof, but he is present with us and he wants us to know. He wants us to experience him, right? He wants us to be able to, for us to be able to put our faith in him. And in Peter, uh, in, or in the book of Acts, when Peter is preaching, he says this, him God raised on the third day, he's talking about Jesus, and showed him openly. So Jesus was raised from the dead, and he walked around in the open. Not to all the people, but to witnesses chosen before by God, even to us who ate and drank with him after he arose from the dead. And that's pretty impressive, right? There's some people that actually got to sit down, have a meal with Jesus after he rose from the dead. That's exciting. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that it is he who was ordained by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To him, all the prophets witness that through his name, whoever believes in him will receive remission of sins. And so the, the disciples encountered Jesus and they were commanded, because you have encountered Jesus, you should go and preach this news, this thing that has happened to all the people and to testify what was going on. And then it says, to him all the prophets witness. Again, this was something, the resurrection of Jesus was something that has been prophesied and promised for hundreds and thousands of years. And it was done in the open. It was done publicly. In 1 Corinthians 15, a lot of scripture today. Interesting. Um, that I, I practiced this. I didn't realize how much there was. Um, it, so... Paul is giving a summary of the gospel, and we're kind of jumping into the middle of that summary. And it says that he, Jesus, was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and he appeared to Cephas, and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and the sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also as to one abnormally born. God's not trying to stay hidden. God is not trying to stay far off and aloof. A lot of us, uh, we can live almost as, as deists who kind of, we believe that God created the world and, and, and did everything and put the animals and the plants and everything and then he just kind of stood off. Right? And he kind of just is letting it wind down. He's letting life go. He's not you know, intimate. He's not part of what is happening. But when we look at, at the gospel story, right? And uh, Pastor Cameron talked about this last week. That when we look at the, the gospel story, it's God encountering mankind. He is not far off and aloof. 
He has not removed himself from his creation, but he is close and he is intimate. And even though he's transcendent, he is beyond and above all of creation. He does not rely on creation. He doesn't need us. But he chooses to be intimate. He chooses to be close and to reveal himself and to be an incarnate God who is encounterable. That is who we worship. That is who we adore, this God who reveals himself. And here we see that after his resurrection, many people saw the resurrected Jesus. He appeared to to Cephas and to the twelve. He appeared to all the disciples. And then to more than 500 at one time who saw the resurrected Jesus. And Paul also says, and many of these people are still alive. And so if you doubt what's going on, if you have doubts about this testimony, you can go and talk to these people. You can no longer go and talk to these people. They are now dead. That's my understanding. Um, But we have record that the people that Paul was writing to could go and interview these people and and see the life change that happened after they encountered the resurrected Jesus. Please hold. Aaron. Just watch a video while I. <laughs> sorry, no, not really. What is happening here? I did something. Oh, thank you. We'll just do it that way. Oh, praise the Lord. Okay. Now oh, we've done it. Oh. <laughs> Good. A little. <laughs> Spoiler alert. So it's, all, it's just going forward now, no matter what I do. It's the opposite of what we want. Can we go back a ways? Just a ways? Just talk amongst yourselves. Yes. Now let's go forward. Now let's go this way. I'll, every time I want you to progress it, I'm going to s- take one step this way. Okay, next slide. Next slide. We must, oh, good stuff, huh? We must respond to his plan. What I love is the, just the, the technical savvy that we have here at New Day Community Church. It's so good. Okay, so we must respond to his plan. All right, I'm skipping that. I'm going straight to my notes, friends. Straight to the notes. God is not trying to remain hidden. Do, 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 do. He appeared to all those people. All right, Roman numeral four, C. Um, that's, that's not up there. So, God does not want what he's doing to be missed or misinterpreted, right? And so what he does is that he sends these angels to, to testify about what is happening, right? And so just like Jesus revealed himself to the, prophet, or to the, the apostles and to this 500 and to these various people— God does not want what he's doing at the birth of Jesus to be missed either. And so we see a lot of supernatural activity, right? We see a lot of angelic encounter here at the opening of this gospel. And in Luke chapter 1, verse 5, the angel appears to Zechariah, 
right? And Zechariah is a, a priest, and he's serving in the temple. He goes in to, to do his work, and the angel shows up and says, you are going to have a son in your old age. You're going to have a son, and he is going to be the, the promised prophet who is going to prepare the way for the Messiah. And uh, Zechariah is like, how, am I, how, do I get, how do I know this is going to be true? And the angel says, you know, since you didn't believe what I said, you are going to be mute um, and not be able to talk until your son is born. And so we see this angel coming and revealing what, he is going, what God is doing in the world. Thank you. Um, so the angel comes. We don't want to miss who John is because it could have been, here's just another baby. He seems pretty significant. But the angel comes because God doesn't want us to miss the fulfillment of the prophecy that's happening in the time of the writing of this gospel. All right, and then in Luke 1.26, the very familiar story of the angel showing up and appearing to Mary. Here's this young girl who's getting ready to, to be married, right? And thank you so very much. She's getting ready to be married. Now i got to find out where I'm at. Sorry, friends. Um, and, and she... I'm so sorry. Okay, here we go. Boop. Doop, 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 doop. Angel, Mary... So Mary is going to have a baby. The angel an announces this to her. And he doesn't want her to be surprised, right? Or Because that would be, that'd probably be surprising, you know? And like, what was going on? And without that angelic revelation, there would be no explanation. It's like, like if you just find yourself pregnant, uh, your first assumption is not going to be like, I bet this is the Messiah. <laughs> you know, like that's, that's not on your mind, right? And so the fact that... <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you didn't. So, uh, so the angel shows up and says, hey, what is happening to you is the fulfillment of what Isaiah had been talking about. Wow, that is awesome. God does not want his plan to be misunderstood. He does not want it to be misunderstood. And in Luke 29, an angel shows up to a bunch of shepherds out in the field. Right, to announce the thing that is happening just a little ways away in Bethlehem, the Messiah, the Savior, is coming. Right? Without this angelic announcement, right, they're just hanging out watching their sheep. They're not going to go, hey, hey, guys, there's a baby born. Oh, cool, let's go check that out. You know, a bunch of guys are not going to do that's. It's not like, oh, how big was it? You know, like it's not on our, it's not on our radar. So, sorry. Okay, so the, the, God does not want he, what he's doing to be missed, and then we see that Theophilus is being, Luke is communicating to Theophilus. Who knew you would say Theophilus so many times in a Christmas message, right? Theophilus, uh, Luke is saying, he's showing him that we have to respond to what God is doing. It's not enough just to hear about it. It's not enough, you know, just to, to know what God is doing, but he's looking for a response. And we see this over and over again, right? When the angel appears to Zechariah, 
you know, at first he, he doesn't believe, but eventually, you know, because he encounters this angel, now he's been mute for nine months, you know, he's starting to believe. And so what does he respond, right? He, the baby is born, and everybody is there, oh, you should name him Zechariah, or you should name him this or that. And, and the John, Zechariah's wife, there it is, Elizabeth, um, she says, we're going to call him John. And everybody's like, that's crazy. Nobody in your family's ever been named John. Let's ask Zechariah. So they get him some chalk and a chalkboard and say, what do you, what do you want to call him? And his mouth is open. He said, he is to be called John. All right? And so Zechariah's response is trust and faith in what God had revealed through the angel. And again, in Luke chapter 1, 26, the angel has appeared to Mary. Right? And this is a crazy situation. This angel says, hey, you know, she's maybe, I've heard, you know, maybe 12 or 13 years old. The angel comes and says, you're going to have a, a baby, and it's going to be the Messiah. It's going to be the Son of God. Good news. Right? And we kind of, like, oh, that's great. She's the, the mother of God. That's awesome. Which it is. But this would have been incredible. This would have been unbelievable. Like, how do you even get your mind wrapped around that? The Holy Spirit is going to conceive a child in me, and, and I'm, going to, you know, I'm going to be pregnant out of wedlock. Like, this is just creating all sorts of trouble and difficulty and impossible to, to get your mind wrapped around. But what is Mary's response? What does Luke reveal to Theophilus that Mary's correct response is? is she says, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. So again, we see that the correct response is to put our trust in God. Even when it seems unbelievable, even when it seems like, I just, I can't even get my mind wrapped around this. Right? And we've, I, many of you know that I am uh, attending Grand Rapids Theological Seminary, and we just finished up... Um, Systematic Theology 1 and Systematic Theology 2. And so in those classes we talk about, in SIS 1, we talked about the Trinity. And I was like, this is great. You know, this is master's level education, right? I'm going to understand, I finally get to understand how the Trinity works, right? No. Uh, you know, and so we talk about the Trinity for weeks. We talk a lot about what it's not. We talk a lot about, hey, here's some heresies about it. And then when we finally get to like, and this is what the Trinity is, kind of a mystery. Seriously? Mystery? You know how much I paid for mystery? So, um, so but, it's, but God is so far above, right? God is so far beyond us that it's like we just can't get our mind wrapped around it because it's so far beyond us. But it's been revealed. The truth has been revealed. And so we just say, all right, God, even though I can't fully grasp it, I trust you. I trust you. And it's the same way with the incarnation, right? Pastor Cameron talked about that last week, that, that all the fullness of the deity dwells in Jesus of Nazareth. So he's fully God and fully man. Like that's, it's super rational. That's, that's the word that we learned in, uh, in, in, in class. It's, it's not irrational, because an irrational statement would be that God, uh, Jesus is God and Jesus is not God. That's irrational. But this is super rational. It's beyond our rationality, right? And it's because God revealed it, we trust that it is the truth. And so in Luke 2, 
verse 8 through 20, we're going to read what the children sang this morning. And so that, believe it or not, that was all intro. Here we go. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had seen and heard, which were just as they had been told. And so we are called to respond to his plan. And the shepherds, in this story, we see that they responded in three different ways. They said, let's go and see. Right? Just hearing the news from the angels wasn't good enough. Right? They had to go and experience this thing that the angels had told them about. And in the same way, we are called to respond to the invitation that we're hearing, that we are receiving, right? We want to respond, and we want to seek Jesus personally, right? It's not just good enough just to hear the news about Jesus, but we want to put that into action and go and encounter him. And after they had encountered Jesus— Right? They went out and they spread the word. They were compelled to go and share the news with everyone. Right? And at this time of year, it's so much easier right, to share the gospel, this, this birth of Jesus, right? because they're literally playing the gospel on the radio. I don't know if you guys listen to 105.7. Just me? Well, uh, uh, I even downloaded the iHeartRadio app on my phone so I could listen to it at all times. All times. I'm ready. I'm Christmassy. And so they're playing the gospel on the radio, and it should be so exciting to us that we are just compelled to tell everyone about it. And if you guys are friends with me, which most of you are, you know that I'm a bit of a, a Star Wars fan, right? And so, and yeah, it's true. And so The Force Awakens has come, is come out. It has been revealed. Um, and, and, like, I, it's difficult for me to not talk about it. It's not that I'm planning on every conversation, kind of, I'm going to somehow move this towards Star Wars. It just happens. It just happens. And so it's like, and that is the, the kind of compelling, right, that I feel about Star Wars, that, and truth be told, the arrival of Jesus, more significant than Star Wars. 
Yes, it's true. No, it's true. It's true. Yeah. So this is the most significant. <laughs> so sorry. This is the most significant thing that has happened in our life, but we've gotten so used to it, right? Right? And we're just, oh, we're just kind of used to how yeah, Jesus came. That's pretty great. Awesome. You know, but what the reality is that Jesus, the fullness of the deity, came and humbled himself and became a man to sacrifice himself so that we could be uh, forgiven of our sins, so that we could have right relationship with God for all of eternity. Wow, that is amazing. The, yeah, we've got a real problem in this world. There's darkness and pain and suffering. Oh, that is really hard. But hey, there's good news. We have uh, uh, the, the reality that God is not far off and aloof. God is not turning his back and uncaring about the difficulties that we are experiencing. No, he is intimately involved in everyone. He walks with us through the valley of the shadow of death. He carries us along with him, and we are forgiven of our sins, and we know that even if we endure pain, if we endure hardship in this side of eternity, we know we have an eternal hope because Jesus came as a man, as a little baby in a manger, and went to the cross and shed his blood for us. That's good news. That is good news, and we should be so excited to communicate that reality to everyone. And finally, the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God. This encounter with God, this encounter with Jesus, moved them to worship, to bow down, to give him glory and honor. And in the same way, our response to what Jesus has done, our response to encountering the living God, is that we should be moved to, to worship and to glorify and to praise God for what he has done and what he is doing. And so this morning as we close, I believe that as we celebrate Christmas this morning, as we celebrate the arrival of Jesus, as we celebrate the arrival of Emmanuel, God with us, God is inviting us to come and to encounter Jesus today. But what's exciting is he's no longer a baby, right? He's no longer laying in a manger, but he is now the King of Kings. He is the Lord of Lords. And he has uh, ascended into heaven. Now he sits at the right hand of God, having finished his work of offering atonement, forgiveness of sins to all of humanity. He sits in rules waiting for his second coming when he will make everything right again. And so that is the Jesus that we worship today. That is the Jesus that we come and encounter today, the risen, resurrected King Jesus. And so if anybody here has, has never accepted Jesus, if, if anybody here has never surrendered their life to Jesus, I just encourage you that today there is an offer of salvation, an offer of forgiveness of sins for you. Or if you've wandered off and kind of been doing your own thing for a while, but today that offer to come home and to return to Jesus, return to faith, return to trust in God is here. And for each one of us, as we celebrate the arrival of Jesus at this Christmas time, 
the, the invitation is real again to come and to bow down and to worship this king. So will you stand with me? And we're just going to close in prayer. And I just encourage you, just in your mind's eye, to, to go, to walk towards Jesus, to encounter him. Jesus, we love you. Jesus, we adore you. We thank you that you would humble yourself to come and die in my place. And I put my trust in you and say, have your way in my life, Lord Jesus. And God, we thank you that you have had a plan and that you enacted that plan, Father, when you sent Jesus to be our Savior, to be our Messiah. And we draw near and encounter him this morning. Father, would you fill us with wonder? Would you fill us with joy and expectation this holiday season? As we glorify you, as we praise you, and we share the good news of what you've done with this world. In your name we pray. Amen.